Canine Detection Collaborative, a detection dog training trio with Stacy Barnett. Hi. Robin Grubel. Hey there. And Crystal Wing. What's up? With humor and a big dose of theory, our trio talks practical training advice and features interviews with top trainers and scientists. It's Canine Detection Collaborative! Welcome back to Canine Detection Collaborative to part two, where we are talking about conquering summits and recertifications in California. <laughs> Robin Grubel, how are you today? I'm good. And Stacy Barnett? Peachy. Peachy? <laughs> <laughs> and I should probably say my name is Crystal Wing, and we are on part two discussing more about all of the summits that Stacy has. Oh gosh, whew, a lot. <laughs> and we're actually going to start with Robin because when this airs, this will have already happened and she'll be amazing and getting better already. But in, I won't say how long because I don't want to stress you out, but in the very near future tomorrow, 12 hours, yes, she's going to be a knee replacement. And so she needs to go do some things and get ready for that. So we're going to pick on Robin first, and then I'm going to ask lots of questions. Are you cool? Ready? Perfect. Ready? <laughs> oh, no. Now all the dogs came running to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we talked a lot about preparation last time. We talked a lot about travel last time. Can you share any memorable or unexpected moments during your recertification that stood out to you? It can be a success, a learning experience. Give us something. The first one is always getting lost on your way there is a thing. And so I was literally, I'm like, not my first rodeo. I'm going two hours early, which was good. Cause yes, I kind of, I knew exactly where I was supposed to be, but I didn't know how to get there. So that's one thing. <laughs> the other thing that I learned was the, our odor pool stuff came back out and he was alerting on an odor pool on the limited access. So one of the things that we have to do is we have a full access pile where you can walk everywhere. And then the other pile is limited access. So you have a place where you can start. You can go to whatever locations where your dog alerts, or you can go back to the start. You can't actually walk all across the pile. And so typically what ends up happening is Nico being the dog that he is, got the hide the furthest away first. And so I had to walk all the way across the pile to get there. <laughs> of course. Right. And so we're standing there. I send him back to work and then he goes to a different spot and he's barking. And I'm walking back to him and he turns and he's barking at me. And I'm like, that's really weird because typically he will, he's very red. And so the evaluator looked at me and is like, well, do you want to, what do you want to do? She's like, you can go back to the beginning or you can go back to the other spot. And I'm like, I'm waiting for my nose poke. Let's go back to the beginning. So I went back to the beginning. He popped off, came with me. I resent him to go search again. And he found odor and started barking and it was beautiful. And the evaluator looked at me and she's like, so what was going on with that other thing? I'm like, that was an odor pool. And one of the things that I learned in this particular test, which is also really valuable, is that I have to work on overlapping odors more with him. Uh, right. 
And because he actually investigated the closer odor first, left it to go to the other odor. And so is it a big deal? No, because we got both hides. It's not a big deal, but it's a training issue of once you've found the hide, stay there until released. Right. So yes, we passed. Yes, I learned some things. That's the sign of a good certification in my book. Do you know how many hides are going to be at a certification? You, in the rules, it states you can have no more than six across both piles. So if you hit, if you hit six, it's like, cool. Actually, you can miss one. Oh, okay. But I mean, that, that point, you're like, you, you know, there's no more. Yeah, right. right. Unless yeah. they're hitting odor pools and then not cool. <laughs> right, then not cool. Or they're barking at clothes or a distraction or something. Then you kind of get all messed up. So it turns into, I found five, I'm done. Nothing good can, can happen after the fifth hide. Wait, you can find six, right? Well, they can put out six, but you can miss one. You just can't false alert. Ooh. Right. If you false alert, and you call it, you're done. You automatically oh, oh, fail. Okay. Okay. I got you. That makes sense now. I'm like, wait right. a minute. <laughs> you probably saw my face. <laughs> I had this sideways. <laughs> right. I can miss a hide. Ah, uh, so a lot of people always ask me, is it better to miss a hide or a false alert? And I always tell them miss a hide. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I absolutely would rather miss a hide than false alert because that means I have other issues. Because sometimes if you miss a hide. And keep in mind, you know, we're working with odor that we've placed in a rubble pile or even you guys in nose work, you've placed a hide and 12, 10 hours later, you're working it. Who knows what odor is actually doing? Yeah. Yeah. It could just disappear. Right. It's the certifications are a test of skill sets that are proven to indicate success in the field. I often look at certifications are, that means I've got my driver's permit and it typically doesn't mean I'm mission ready. It means I've checked a box that says my dog is ready. We're ready to go because we've got to do this. And it also means we have the basic level skills that we need in order to do a certification. And I now get to go train all the cool, fun stuff. (laughs) What would you deem the the cool, fun stuff? What does that mean for you? Um, Overlapping odors, putting out higher quality distractions that he would have to search over and actually moving it so those food distractions are out in the open. Ah, Like a baked potato? Yeah, like a baked potato So or (laughs) a steak. So you don't eat them. You work over the top of hot dogs. I mean, one of the actual deployments we worked on it, there was a, whatchamadingit, a fast food restaurant and there were hot dogs everywhere. Wow. And so can you work over the top of hot dogs? Can you work for narcotics and explosive dogs? Can you work over the top of popcorn? Yeah. So those are the things that start coming because that's operational level stuff. That's not, can your dog run out there and find a hide? Yeah. That's actually something I was just thinking about the other day. I, I'm like, I think... Could search, and I even said out loud, I think she could search over the top of hot dogs. And I'm like, I think I want to try that. Yeah. And for me, it's having evaluators or people who are watching you that they're like, we know in the grand scheme of things, you will care. 
that he left to hide, found the first one, then came back to the second one. And I was like, yep, I care because that's something I now can trade. Right. And why, why is that of concern? What happens if we have overlapping odors and he leaves the first one and goes to the second one? And because of what we're doing, we don't go back for the first one. Did he give you any indication that there was anything as he went by? I can't see because part oh. of the limited access pile, you can't see the dog until it barks at the first hide. Uh, okay. Right. And so I'm standing behind a 10 foot cement wall and I have to wait for him to bark until I can walk around the corner and see where he's at. So I missed all the change of body language. Right. And so got to the first one. I said, what a good boy, go find another. He turned around and I, thinking about it now, I sent him a different way than sending him back over the top of the first hide because I didn't know it was there. And so it's sometimes the luck of the draw on which way you send the dog. So you have a choice as to which way you send them? I can stand within five feet of whatever hide he is currently at that he is alerted to. And I can direct him to go search from there. Okay. So it's up to you what way you send him there then? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is. And I just happened to send him a different way. So how did he find it then? Well, he went and alerted on the odor pool. I walked back to the beginning, which put us downwind. Okay. So you were thinking about the wind at that point. Yep. He came back. I set him up and I didn't send him back the way that he came. I actually sent him a different direction which it turns out was the appropriate direction to have him go to that first hide. So is it kind of like when you're thinking about searching a vehicle, when you would go one direction and go the other direction, just so you know that you're hitting the odors? Yep. Or the possibility of odor? Yeah, it's about the same thing. And then do you have a certain spot you have to start the test or can you choose where you start it? Nope. The limited limited access, they tell you where to start. Okay. The full access pile, you can make whatever search strategy you want to do. And then for the safety of the humans for a test, do they make it so like it's easy to navigate for you or is this like killing your knee? That totally depends on the piles. Some okay. piles are easy and some piles are not. These piles were knee friendly for me, which I was very thankful for. So that worked out well. So I guess this kind of is part of my question that can you share some of the behind the scenes, like the anecdotes, the interesting moments from the FEMA certification process, either from this one specifically, or maybe just in general that, you know, may not be widely known, but gives our listeners kind of a glimpse as what it's like. Basically what you end up doing is you show up for certification. You don't know if you have the limited access first or the full access first. They just assign you to one and it's all very regimented. It's okay. You have one minute for a brief or five minutes for a brief, one minute to start of search. Then we start search. Then you have 15 or 20 minutes, I think it's 15, to search your pile. You can call it ahead of time if you want. And then you have five minutes for travel time, five minutes for briefing, one minute to prep to search. And so you can, you're actually running opposite another team. Oh. And right. And so depending on how fast everybody rotates through, you could go anywhere from 
taking the full 20 minutes or you call it in 10 and you're done. And they, so literally testing day, you're sitting around. And if your dog's number seven or eight in the rotation, they may call you and be like, you need to be here in a half an hour to go. And so, cause it just kind of depends. So it's really a sit around and hurry up and wait and then hurry up and go. Work trial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how many dogs can be in one? So you have up to six, how many dogs can run that problem? They do. I, that's up to the lead evaluators, the evaluators. And typically what they do, because we can't set new hides right. on a pile, <laughs> right? Because right? the pile has to air. Yeah. And so, and typically what ends up happening, we do it so much time in training is that we just pull people out and we put them in a new hole. So the dogs are very used to working over the top of where other dogs ran, that it doesn't really matter. So you might have 10, 15 dogs running the same test. Wow. And you said that you can't reward them. You can. But you can. People do. Yeah. Okay. I just choose not to. So they will tell you that, yes, that was correct? No. Okay. So they won't tell you if it's correct. So it's up to you if you want to reward that, knowing that it could possibly not be it. Correct. And you have to place a marker. Okay. Because you have to actually be like, no, here's, here's where I'm placing my stuff. And how close does the marker have to be to the actual source? Within five feet. Ow. Yeah. And is that five feet of... So like after they watch a few dogs, will they change that possibly if they see where odor is going? Yeah, they can. You'll And they also run a test dog, right? They have okay. a certified dog that they run on the pile first so they can see how odor is presenting. And it absolutely, because, you know, dog one that runs it at 7 a.m., odor will present distinctly different than dog yeah. 15 that runs it at 3 yeah, probably like a 30 degree difference. In- right. <laughs> and so as I'm an evaluator and what happens is you see that progression happen as you're standing on the pile and it's fine. Okay. So it's up to the evaluator's mm-hmm. like, judgment then. Yeah. So you said it's up to six. Is there a minimum? Four. Four. Okay. Four to six. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you can have four on one pile, and but you have to have one on the limited access. Can it have a blank pile? No. Okay. So you couldn't have like all of them on the limited access one? No. Uh, no. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. What's the, have you, as an evaluator, do you ever set them as four? Like, is that, how do you figure out how many to set? Some of that depends on the size of the pile, how to navigate the pile all of these things that you, you're like, you balance all of that stuff. And, you know, you've got three evaluators on the pile. It's a team effort because you want to set a fair test. Okay. You're not trying to trick, you're trying to test. No, we're testing. We're not tricking anybody. It's not a gotcha. And so we're actually discussing how odor moves and all of that sort of stuff as we're setting out the hides. Interesting. So. If you were going to give some advice to a handler out there who's considering going for FEMA and for FEMA certifications, based on your recent experience, what what advice would you give them? Just realize that doing the FEMA level stuff, you have to be within a certain distance of a FEMA task force and they have to be accepting new handlers. 
So there's about 300 handlers in the nation. And so it's some of it is happens to be just circumstance. Can you get on a team? The thing that I wish a lot of people would look at the female level testing and really bring to heart is the use of directionals, agility, and obedience to actually, it's not all always all about searching because our dogs have to be able to get on a bus or go do whatever and ride. We ask them to do a lot of really weird stuff. So we need that obedience and that agility and that relationship before they can go do all of the, the odor work or in addition to the odor work. So don't underestimate the value of working on that stuff in your not odor time. I do want to ask you about that bond. So I really liked in the last episode, you talked about that it's not just the odor. Like, I love how you've really stressed that. You're like, that's a part of it. (laughs) And so we can't romanticize that part so much. But I think the bond part is what I want to ask another question on. So we know that that bond between you and Nico is vital. Can you share any moments during the recertification that highlighted the strength of your bond that I guess you could say maybe trust that you have in your canine partner? Actually, it had nothing to do with certification. It was putting him on a plane. Yeah. Right? Is that the hardest part for you, do you think? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It was the hardest part. I already knew the answer, but still I wanted to ask it. Pretend like I didn't know. (laughs) It was literally, trust me, you have to get on this plane. I'm going to manhandle you into a position. I need you to trust me that it's going to be fine. And where you're sitting next to people who don't know you, you don't know them. And you have to sit here still for two and a half hours. Yeah. Right? That's a long time for dogs that love movement. Yes. And, and he can't even lay down, right? He, he oh, no, sit. He, I had him lay down. Okay. He had room to lay down? Yeah. He had room to lay down because I could lay him so he was like underneath our legs. Okay. So he could lay down and, but it was absolutely the, trust me, now we're going to get on a shuttle and we're going to ride over to the the rental car place and you're going to sit in a sit stay while I set up your crate in the back of the car and I do all of this stuff and you hang out and there's cars driving by and all of this other stuff. And okay, good, you're go. Now you can go in the crate and we're fine. So it was all of that stuff leading up to that of literally, dude, just trust me, it's going to be okay. And so he's having to hit a lot of I believe buttons. Yeah. As we are. And so are you. <laughs> yeah. And it'll be fine, buddy. We're going to, we're doing this together. And he's like, okay, fine. This is stupid. <laughs> I saw that look a lot. <laughs> this is stupid. You're dumb. <laughs> yes, pretty much. He gives I a great that. look. He does. He's like, fine, whatever. So my last question before we send you off to your knee surgery preparation is looking ahead, not just for you feeling better and getting back on your feet again, but do you have any new goals or challenges that you're excited about with, you know, after recertification's done? Well, with Nico, it's putting him on harder problems and working on our uh, overlapping odors. I've got three labs to certify in narcotics, a lab to certify in explosives, plus working with flash, all of those things. So, and then I've got some other stuff I'm working on with the foundation that that's what the downtime is for. 
to recuperate from knee surgery after I get off meds. So I can be a little bit coherent about getting some of those online classes spun out. Nice. So yeah. Looking forward to it. Yay. Any final thoughts before you head off and go into your wonderful planning? No. (laughs) Make sure everybody trains and winter is here. So work on those things that you wouldn't work on if it's nice outside. Be dutiful trainers, right? Yes, exactly. Uh Well, thanks, Robin. Good luck on your surgery. Thank you. You guys have a good time. Good luck. All right. Stacy. Yeah. All right. I can't wait to find out about all of your summit experiences. Holy cow. Like I said, three summits back. If you guys didn't listen to the last episode, you need to. Because we covered a lot of kind of the mental prep, the the self-reflection, the all of that. Just really a lot of the mental aspects I feel like that we really covered. But you said something. Huge part. That I think there's two pieces and I, I don't even know which one I want to like talk about first, but I, I think I want to talk about that 15 seconds that you talked about. There's that fine margin of missing the cutoff by 15 seconds. And that's super dramatic. Yeah. Can you kind of well, walk us through that particular trial? Maybe share some insights into the challenges you faced, what adjustments you might make moving forward or yeah. what adjustments you did make? Yeah. Yeah. That was actually, it was a little bit of a, a mental adjustment after that trial, but in that trial, that was Union, Illinois with powder. So it was her first summit since, because now they could do three a year as opposed to only two a year. So it was the first time she trialed really since June. And I probably was a little tired from Minnesota the weekend before. I have to, I have to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Why? Just a little bit, right? Maybe just a little bit. So again, everybody go back and listen to the previous episode to understand exactly oh, what Stacy did. <laughs> it was really crazy. So at, in the end, we, cause they, they do, they tally up the score first by points. And then if you're tied by points, the tiebreaker is your time. So there were three of us. And again, there were only going to be five titles, right? Just based on the number of dogs entered. So because there were 28 dogs entered, so there were going to be five titles. So there was a three-way tie for points for fourth place. Wow. Yeah, for we had we had 130 points, which actually was a really good score. So, well, I was sixth place by 15 seconds, and it, to put that into perspective, if you're thinking like, "Oh, 15 seconds, okay, whatever," that's over eight searches and about a half an hour of search time. So, what I had to do because yeah, she missed the title, but I had to really kind of reframe in my head what that meant. Because coming out of that, yeah, I felt disappointed. But then I'm like, you know what? 15 seconds actually really is not statistically significant. Right. I shouldn't uh, base whether or not I feel successful or not successful on something that really... Because if we were just like 15 seconds faster, I would have felt like, oh, wow, we titled, right? Mm -hmm. 15 seconds slower. But does that mean that we perform less? Not really. That said, I made a couple of handling mistakes, probably because I was tired. That Ooh, tell us about that if you're up for it. Yeah, sure. What? You make mistakes? What? Oh, you're a, you're yeah. a human? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I made one mistake. Like we had this one search where we were searching around these train engines that looked identical. And we had a, a short amount of time. And I got caught up in an odor pool. 
And when I did that, I got a little bit of tunnel vision. So I forgot about the aisle right behind me. Oh. And I didn't go down it. And there was a hide down there that I, I really think that she would have had no problem getting. So you just lost track of where you were, like of what you covered? Exactly. Exactly. That was five points. And then another one, she alerted on a high hide. And based upon airflow, I thought it was potentially a ground hide presenting as a high hide. So I didn't call it. Ah. Uh, and if I had called alert, I would have gotten a yes. But you know what? The, the thing is about this level. But you said it's better to not have a false though. Well, in general. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, so I can see why you'd make that decision. Right. Exactly. I didn't, I didn't want to lose the points, but one of these things where if you talk to a bunch of handlers at Summit, you're going to find similar stories. Like it's not just me, right? Everybody's, or a lot of people are going to have a, that story of like, if I just made this call or whatever, I would have had this placement or whatever. Yeah. That's the level. I mean, the thing is about this level is that it is so unforgiving that one tiny mistake can cost a title. And that's just the way it works. And it's just one of these things like, if you want, if you're playing for the title, that's something you have to kind of accept. And just because I had those two blips, it doesn't mean that somebody else also had a blip and they're kicking themselves, right? I mean, if yeah. They, so it's one of these things where you can't just, it, you're, you're not in a vacuum. So I think moving into cult, the, the last summit, part of it was I had to really come to peace with that. And, and I think, honestly, that was the hardest part. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't. I think if I was me a year ago, I think it would have been the hardest part. Okay. I'm going to unpack that a little in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think I've made a lot of personal growth. I was okay with it. I was like, you know what? Yeah, it's a bummer, but I don't see like Powder did the best she could have done. And I'm human. And you know what? 15 seconds. Well, whatever. Who cares? And so then our next summit, the next weekend, she won high in trial. And I know there were other people. We had a really crazy search that if you didn't make the right call, there was no way in the world you were going to title. And I know uh, for some people that was that was a little hard if they made the wrong call, but it's one of those things again. It's like that's what we made the right call, so it was going to work. But that's the level. The level is unforgiving. It is brutal in a lot of ways. I mean, I love it, and it's fun in a lot of ways, but it's also got a brutal edge to it because there's just no room for error. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, if you're out there to, to be competitive and you're out there to, to title and everything, there is no room for error. And, you know, you are going to make some errors, but the, in the end, who makes the fewest, <laughs> whoever makes the fewest errors and finds the most hides is going to in the fastest time. <laughs> exactly. 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 So, you know, it's just what the level is. And part of that, I think you can either kick yourself for years, trust me, or or you can just kind of come to peace with it and realize that that's the name of the game. I'm curious. It feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong in this assumption or this, I don't know what you would call it, because you had three trials back to back, do you feel like that might've taken a little pressure off because you had this almost like next chance in a way, like you knew that you're going to another trial right away. Or does that add more pressure because you know that you have to get your mind right for the next dog at the next place and the next everything? 
it would have been easier to have two weeks between because there's a little bit of a, like a letdown, no matter, even if you do really, really well, you're so tired after those two days and you're so emotionally spent that it take there's a little bit of recovery time. And I had to spend my recovery time driving. Yeah. And that's hard. And if you made a mistake and I'm sitting here going, okay, so, you know, I missed the title by 15 seconds. I literally had to say, you know what? You don't get to dwell on that because- so You didn't give your chance to self to like, to reflect on it and keep thinking about- Yeah, because that's going to get me into the wrong frame of mind because gotcha. I'm thinking about all my mistakes that I'm imprinting those mistakes into my brain as opposed to thinking about, you know what? Hey, she was- a really good girl. And she gave me some really good searching and trying to make that shift. That I think is the or one of the hardest parts is just making that shift in that short amount of time. And it, you know, the back to back, it's like, well, here I am. I'm like, okay, I have three tries. And we titled on the first one, the second one, well, we missed it by 15 seconds. Well, we only have one try left. Right. And I think there's, I mean, there's pressure every time you go and it's just, it's self-imposed granted, but right. You know, I realized like, you know what, if you don't title now, you got to wait till next year, you know, it's like, there's so, but I think the back-to-back, I mean, the hard part of the back-to-back was that I had to go from Brava to powder and they're completely different. Yes. That was really hard. What made that hard? Can you kind of unpack that a little? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because they search so differently. So even they are actually half sisters, which is kind of the funny part. They both have the same mother, but they're so, and they're both high drive dogs, right? They're both Labradors, but they think completely differently. Yeah. They process at different speeds. They have different strength. So for Brava is a very, very fast processor. Like she is, I call her the OG, right? So she's like the <laughs> gangster, right? Uh-huh. Close proximity hides. I mean, we did in Minnesota, she won the search that was called under pressure. We had, we knew there were five hides. I think, I think we had like three minutes or whatever. She did it in a minute and 10 seconds, five close hides. Four of those were in close proximity. How do you even reward that fast and get to the next one? Like, do you? I reward and I'm like, here's your cookie. I say, okay, find another. And she is off because what she does is she knows how to re-engage in the searching in like a nanosecond. Wow. And she doesn't chew. (laughs) <laughs> oh no okay, she's a labrador right uh, but no i mean like she and it, there's praise in there too but it's also she gets so much reward also after the search that my huge reinforcement event actually happens after i call finish okay so i have my frisbee i had like a floppy frisbee in my back pocket and after we left i'm like actually that one because we had to go from one search directly to another search we had a back-to-back she had got had finished the first one so quickly. We had we had to wait. So I'm in the search area, telling her you were incredible, and went playing with her frisbee. And then we went upstairs <laughs> and did the other search, which she got second place in. So so she had a couple. Wow. Of yeah, she was really really amazing. I was so proud of her. She was she was just so engaged and probably more engaged than she's been before. And now she's getting old. She's six and a half now. Not that that's that's still young, but it's just like, she's just getting better and better. And it's a really, it's the coolest thing, but she processes information so quickly 
but she's also more likely to fringe because uh, she makes these rapid decisions. Yeah. And just so she is, she has a tendency to sometimes alert in odor pools. But then you look at Powder, who has a harder time with the close proximity stuff, but she has this incredible ability to dismiss an odor pool. So I have to make this the shift because once Powder is working odor, if I'm patient on my call, if she leaves it, it's an odor pool. If I let her work it and she settles mm. and I see that breathing out, I'm like, we're it. That, that's wow. it. So sometimes it just takes her a while to just kind of process it, that information, but she's so reliable. I mean, she went through the union trial, the Illinois trial with zero false alerts, which is incredible at some phenomenal. It is really a phenomenal at summit. And then the in the the color phenomenal for you too, that you're reading her that well and that oh, you're being geez. the patient person you have to be. Yeah. So I had to like totally because with Brava, yeah. it, it's a faster call, right? So then in Colorado, we only had one false alert and it was on a container. And I think it was out of frustration because we literally had a hundred boxes. Who so, yeah. How long? We had four and a half minutes for that one. And we oh had my gosh. we had one hundred white identical boxes, unknown number of hides. There were three. We got all three and we had a false, but I think it was out of frustration because she was high as a kite. So that made it a little bit harder. So you have 2.7 seconds just for her at each container. And that's without considering any sort of reinforcement or anything. Well, uh, for what do you mean? Oh, 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 per box. Yeah. So oh. at a hundred in four and a half minutes, he doesn't need two point seconds, seven seconds for a box. She was like, "I'm like, you gotta slow down, sweetheart." Yeah, because <laughs> how far <laughs> apart are they too? Uh, a couple of feet, maybe a few feet. And how many were hot? Three, three. We had four lines of twenty-five. Two were so it was it was really cool. It was like this like horse arena area that was this big event center at a fairgrounds, like an event um, complex. So there was this horse arena dirt and it was surrounded by concrete. So we had two of those lines of boxes on the concrete and two lines on the, on the arena dirt. Which is going to totally change the odor. Yes. And oh. the other thing is that she's wearing her boots because she, it was polished concrete. Oh. So, and she has a little bit, I say she has more drive than traction. So I put his boots on, right? And what happens with those boots is sometimes they get dust in them and they actually get slicker. Oh, no. So I didn't want to do the dirt side first because I was afraid that she'd get dirt in her boots. And then, yeah. Yeah. Well, she was crazy. So do you get the option of where you start? Well, you have to, you have a start line, but then, but that line was like the rows were in front of us. So I went to the left and started on the, on the, the line on the left and then moved. Did you start in the dirt though, or? No, I started on the concrete. I did this. Okay. That worked out well. Yeah, I, that sort of, yeah, it worked out. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, sweetheart. Like her legs were just flying everywhere, which made it hard. But I have to say, I mean, beautiful, beautiful alerts. I mean. Give me a memorable search. What is one of the, from the three summits, which one, like if I just say, tell me the one right now that stands out. It doesn't matter why it stands out, but which one is like, whoa. Oh, we had the coolest search area in Illinois. It was so cool. So we were at this railway museum, right? 
and we had this antique train. Ooh. And we were searching the inside of this antique train. So we go in and we had this like, so we had uh oh, how much time do we have for that one? Five, five minutes, I think. It was a no-go back. So we had to search the inside of three rail cars. Wow. Uh, we had unknown number of hides. So once you left the rail car, you couldn't go back to it, right? Ooh. So the first rail car, it, it was like these, it was antique. It was incredible. It was, it was beautiful. And it was just super, super cool. It's so, amazing. They're letting dogs do this. Like what a cool yeah. opportunity. <laughs> like no, imagining. Right? <laughs> and the, the trial site, I think they were a little, a little nervous. They had never had dogs in there before. So oh, yeah, I would guess. <laughs> but from my understanding, they were actually really happy with how all the competitors treated the facility. Aww, good. So, that's actually the reason why I put boots on powder. It's not like she does, she does not alert with her feet, but uh-huh. she's so fast. Right. Scratching the floor. And, right. Right. Yeah. So the nails. Very respectful. Yeah. That's awesome. Good for you. Environment. But so she, the speed at what she, she went through this train was to, she takes off like a rocket, but hits a threshold. It was like, hits a threshold hide underneath one of the, one of the like a one of the seats and we find four hides rapidly in the in the first rail car that was one toward the beginning two like mirrored each from each other and then there was another like a deeper and accessible hide so then we moved to the second rail car which was a dining car right okay when you go between the cars is yeah. this like the old trains where you had to go out of the car no, well, it, back in. a little bit. It was it was a little dicey, but not too bad. It wasn't okay. It wasn't too bad. I was it, trying to like imagine on one of them, like on the when we went from the second to the third one, though, you had to go like over. They had like this. It was going into the cargo area, and they had to put like they put a couple rugs down because the dog's feet kind of fall through the the grating. Gotcha. So, yes, yeah, so that was. And they're like, be careful. I'm like, gosh, I'm here. <laughs> I'm like, I told him on the start line. I'm like, uh, she likes to boogie, so. Just you know, because really, you need some environmentally strong dogs to do what you guys do. You do sometimes, you really do. But it's the power of odor. Sometimes yeah. really take those dogs. Like I think Y could have had a blast in there, and he's not wow. exactly an environmentally strong dog. But I think he would loved it. And probably the way you love it too, also probably is contagious for the dog. Where when you're excited about the place, it probably oh probably probably. So the the middle car, the dining car, was blank. After just having four? We already found four hides. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you just had four, which is totally, it feels like so loaded. Yeah. And, and now blank. And she's like, let's get out of here. Oh my gosh. And then we come back and then we go to the third car and there was an elevated threshold and then a hide at the very end. So we found all six hides. We actually, we were second place in that search. We were second place in that That's search. amazing. That was, that was a really cool, that was like, like the coolest, probably one of the coolest search areas I've been in. Like, it was really, really awesome. It was awesome. I'm sorry. I'm getting these so goofed up. So is that the trial that you were the 15 seconds off or was that yep. the one that, okay. Yep. Oh my gosh. It's great that you're like, that was my favorite one. It was it the was, one that. <laughs> it was, it was. I mean, the, there were a lot of really cool searches though. We had in Colorado, we had this one search that she did win that I'm really proud of that uh, you know, she got pronounced. It was really awesome. It, it, but it was kind of like a big tractor supply because it had all these like paddle gates. Okay. But the hard part about it is all the odor was blowing out of the search area. Oh. 
And she kept pulling me like outside the cones because they they put cones out. And we just know that, I mean, it doesn't mean that the odor is going to stay within the cones, but it means right. that it's going to be within the cones. So she spent like two minutes almost like pulling me out of the cones. And finally she just, she solved them and she, she won the search. She found all the hides. I ended up taking her off, off leash. And what I loved is that she was just really, she worked really well off leash for me on, on the areas I took her off. It's very cooperative. And so were the hides there at the edge and that's why they were blowing out or why do you think that was happening? Well, yeah, some of them were, but, and because of the way that the cattle, the cattle gates, you know, that the gating is very, yeah. and one of them was like a deep, deep hide, you know, that was blowing in. It was just, just airflow. It was just kind that of sounds so challenging. It was tough. It was tough. I don't know. They probably had a hundred gates. I mean, it was crazy. It was. And how many were in that area? Wow. Four. There were four. We had, how much time did we have for that? I don't remember. So even though you had cones, you can still allow her to go outside of the cones yeah. to work oh, the, yeah. the problem back in. Yeah. That's definitely a more advanced handler trick, right? Because I I would imagine that less experienced handlers would be kind of like, no, 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 you can't go over there. Yeah, exactly. Because they're like, don't waste time out there. And I'm like, wait, a little bit of information. But I'm like, get the information, but then come back in to solve it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, like she found the first hide in that one right off the, like right off the threshold. And then she literally spent like two minutes, like trying to pull me outside the cones. And finally she would just solve the, solve the rest of them pretty quickly. But, but it's that whole thing. It was like, I said, like she takes a while to problem solve. So she had to kind of work through that. We had, we had some crazy searches. Here, here's my thing though. So you say that it takes her a while, but you, you got first in that search, right? Yeah. Because we found at summit. Yeah, but we because we found four hides. So I guess I need to understand then. So time, other ones may have done it faster, but they didn't get all the hides. So then you would have done better for that. So so is it that other teams didn't find all the hides or they didn't find it as fast as you did? So I think just so I understand. Yeah, there were a couple other teams that found all the hides, but we had the fastest time. So when you say it takes her longer to process, you're just saying in relation to Brava. And not in relation to right. Like, she's right. still probably blazing fast. She's still fast. Yeah, I just yeah. It's it's. I guess I just wanted to say that or clarify that. Comparing my comparing dog. <laughs> and you got this amazing, you know, dog that you're able to read so well. But when you say you have to give her a little more time, is that like a half a second more? I mean, <laughs> sometimes it's like five seconds more, or something like that. Like sometimes she just needs a little bit. She just processes information differently than, than Brava. It's like, but the consistency sounds so lovely. It is. She's she's really consistent. But because she's like so, that driving a Ferrari feeling. Yeah, but she's so fast. If you yeah. don't, you are not like right. Like your observation has to be just as fast as she moves, which is yeah, Mach twelve. <laughs> oh so, yeah, right. So you have to like really like you really got to be on point and really observing because. You know, otherwise she's just going to, you're going to miss stuff. That's the hard part about a, about a fast dog, a fast high drive dog is like, it is so easy to miss stuff because you really have to be, you really have to be on point with your observation. That's the hard part. Then we had that, we had a, a blank area that was wild. How many blank areas did you have with, over the three weekends? Over the three weekends, we only had one, but wow. it, that was worth bonus points. So that's the one like, if you didn't call it correctly, you there you really weren't going to title because at Summit, 
a blank area is worth two HUD. Oh, wow. Yeah. But if you call a false, you're automatically in the negative because it's minus two and a half points and you're not calling it correctly. So we had this big gymnasium type of an area with a that was part of our search area. And it, well, that was a search area. And they told us it was going to be, we were going to have four minutes unknown number of hides. And they said that if we called it correctly, we the judge would, would yell bonus, right? And if they yelled bonus, then we earned the opportunity to go down the hall into another room, little like closet size room, and we could find more hides in there, find hides in there. And there was a hide in the bonus room. So if you call, if they called bonus, you got five points. And then if you go down the hall, you get another five points. So you really have to get that. There's no way. Yeah, right. Exactly. So coming out of that, if you called that area blank, you ended up with 20 points. Yeah. But if you called alert, you ended up with minus two and a half. And if you doubled down on that, you ended up with minus five. Oh, wow. And you know, there were, you know, and that happened a couple of times. So that's where you see those, that point spread start to really, right? And you realize that that one call in the entire two days can make or break you. Yeah, absolutely. But there's, there's always a twist in Summit. There's always one search with a twist. You don't know what that twist is going to be going in. Like, so for instance, in Minnesota, we had a search with unknown time. Oh. So we had this big... Did I give you there. like a, a warning? No. Or it's just time's done? Yeah, it's over. Like done. Oh. So they said, here's your big dining area. And you have unknown number of hides, you have unknown time. But if you called it correctly and did not time out, you'd get a bonus. But I think one of the hides may not have been, I mean, Bravo went past it. She didn't really have a change of behavior in a way that I think she could have solved it. But we found three hides, but I was like, I'm setting my watch for three and a half minutes. Like, I didn't know. It turns out we had five, but I didn't know that. Wow. So that was crazy. I think. So because you didn't get the other one, did you not get to go to the bonus? Well, that was a different twist. So you, so the bonus was only worth five points. Okay. Got it. But it wasn't going to give you that big point spread because okay, negative, right? And do you know that going into it? Like, do you know how many points things are going to be worth? Oh, oh no, because then you would know how many highs are there. Right. That, that was such a stupid question. Whoa. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So it's it's a mind bender. It really is. And then the uh, in Union though, the the bonus was actually really easy. Like most of the dogs got it. We had a line of like thirty pieces of luggage. We had three minutes. We knew there were or two minutes. We knew there were three. Hides. We had two minutes. We knew there were three hides. And if you were correct and you didn't false alert, then you got to go and you had 30 seconds to get a bonus. But so really that was the CO's way of testing. Can you call a blank? Yes. It was highly rewarding Very. to be able to call a blank. Yes. And, and, and you know what, when you call a blank in summit, you've got like this like acidic pit in your stomach because I felt that in certification when I called it blank. Uh, I was yeah. like, should I search it one more time? Should we do one more pass? Right. Should we? There's that like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling. It's so hard. We only had four minutes, and and she and there was odor. That was the hard part because there's odor coming out of the the bonus room, coming down the hall, and oh. collecting in the blank area because they had a sunny oh. a sunny door, right? So she came, went over there. She had a change of behavior that I knew was odor. But I'm like, so I looked at that. I'm like, that's a sunny door. I'm like, that's going to pull odor. And then she, you know, like I said, she, she dismisses odor pools. She dismissed that whole area. I'm like, okay, cool. There's nothing over there. So wow. what a good girl. She really is. So I mean, oh. she, we checked the rest of 
the gym and I'm like, you know, let's check for crack hides. So I had to work in the middle. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, crack hides. So we, we worked the middle and then I took her off leash and she's like, see ya, I'm going down the hall. And I'm like, so first I call powder and I'm like, she's gone. And I'm like, clearly there's nothing here because she's leaving. I'm like, finish. And I hear bonus. So I'm like, oh my God. Nice. I'm like, I mean, clearly she's like, there's nothing here. Let's go to the bonus room, mom. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy it really reminds me of what lee said for our arson dog handler episode when he said that it's so fun as a judge to look at the dogs on the start line and he can just go yep they already know it's blank (laughs) but the hard part like as a judge i would assume is that you never really get to say yes like in a blank area there are no yeses yeah only knows (laughs) (laughs) only a no or a just that's all it is it's just so but I love how the CEO doubled down on the blank. Like, oh. yeah, like you better be able to call a blank at this trial. Yeah. And then you got, I didn't even realize that you got the extra five points for call, for getting when the judge said bonus. And then you got another extra five. So coming out of yeah. that, oh, cool, we got 15 points. And I looked at the score sheet, but you got 20. Wow. So yeah, that had to feel good. <laughs> it did feel really good because I'm like, all right, all right. I think we're doing pretty good. I mean, we missed a couple of hides and like this one where we had 60 banquet tables and 360 chairs or whatever crazy on oh dirt my gosh it was insane okay but, tell me more about that oh my god so we had seven minutes but you go in because i think i told you that had that arena dirt right yeah well they had i think that which i'm sure is pristine and has no other odors on no, it it's of just not i, I don't know like food dropped on it because it was actually banquet, right so they use this on the regular for banquets oh yeah oh yeah this is not staged this was like come as you are oh hey cool that's a cool search area right so there were 60 round banquet tables surrounded by chairs so if you think about it there were six chairs at each banquet table that's 360 chairs and there were some other tables where they they might set up food the stage was there so I, i guess they were doing like awards or something like that that the stage was out of play but then we had these like cloth like boundaries like cloth walls that you might like partition. They, they tried to make a room out of the arena, right? With, with like these cloth walls. So that was just our boundary markers. But the odor is going to go everywhere. So we had these really high ceilings and there were six hides out there and the odor went everywhere, right? Whoa. We only found three, and but we were still above average in that search. It was a hard search. How many were there? Six. There were six, wow. Yeah. We found, like I said, we found three and I'm really proud of her for finding those three because I had a plan going in where I wanted to do the perimeter and then I wanted to do the outside of all the table. Like there were two like big table sections. Yeah. That was my question. I was like, how would you, and are you on leash or off leash? I started out on leash. We had an off leash option and she was pulling me and I could tell there was just odor everywhere. And I'm like, this isn't working. So I had to pivot and I'm like, sweetheart, I trust you. You have a recall. I went click. Right. <laughs> and keys to the I, Ferrari. <laughs> and I have to say, a year ago, she would not have been able to do that. I'm so proud of her because she was under voice control. She nice. was, she even went behind the 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 cloth wall. And I'm like, powder this way. And I see her coming around the other side. And she's like, I was just catching some odor at the edge over here. I was working it back this way. Like she wow. Really she worked. knew the assignment. He did. And she was so cooperative. 
And she's like, I know I'm in this big, huge dirt area. And I know I am under exercise and I'm over, you know, she just was amazing. And oh, I can't wait to buy the video because we had a videographer there. So they had video up in the, or the videographer, she was up in the, like the, the grandstands. So we're going to have this overhead view. Oh, cool. I'll be able to see when she gets into that, into those odor cones, because all of that odor ended up converging. We had like these far away converged hides. I know looking at my GoPro, it was like the sea of tables. Like it was just crazy. (laughs) It's just tables and no dog. (laughs) Yeah, it was really, that was nuts. That was probably our hardest. Going into something like that, you said you kind of had a plan and you had to pivot. What was your original plan then? I wanted to do the perimeter because I wanted to do the perimeter and I wanted to do the outside edges of the two like main sets of tables. So don't go around a complete table at all. Just just the outside, no, just the outside of the, the section. Okay. And, oh yeah. You wouldn't have time to go around a complete table at all. But I found what I realized was that the odor was so dispersed that she wasn't able to problem solve that way. It just gotcha. wasn't going to work. What did she do that, that kind of showed you what worked for her? I just had to think of like, like, what did she decide? Like when you let her off leash, what did she do? Oh, she was just like, I got odor. I'm following it. And I'd be like, there's my dog. (laughs) And uh, I'm just like, all right. So it's it's probably really hard to keep track of then where she had been and hadn't been. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, you know, misery is over in seven minutes. So (laughs) (laughs) you you had a a certain amount of time until, you know, they finally like uh, put you out of your misery and, you know. (laughs) But uh, no, seriously, it was it was actually a really fun search. You know, we, we didn't come anywhere. We were above average in that one, but you know, I don't know how we might have done better. And that's the trial, though, that I came out feeling like I don't think there's a single thing I would have done differently. Which wow. a huge difference from the trial that she had done the weekend before, where I'm like, I made two major handler errors. And Brava's trial the weekend before that, I made one hand or error that, that cost me a hide and a false that I probably shouldn't have gotten. But it's like one of these things where I think we really do learn and we really do, as long as we can be very kind to ourselves and we can realize that we really, we do know what we're doing and our dogs are really, really good at what to do. Like if we're, if we can believe that, and like truly believe that, right? Yeah. I think it can help us to get over things instead of like dwelling on the past. Like you literally have to kind of put that on a shelf and just say, no, you know what? My dog's awesome. And let's do this kid. So you basically answered the thought that was in my head was how do you balance that competitive nature of summit with the joy of participating? It's just that that mindset you have to have that, that impacts your overall approach just your training, even in general, you have to love searching with your dog. I think it's because if it if it becomes all competitive, you're going to lose. You're going to lose the essence, right? It's also you're competing. So at this level, this is the only level that you're really competing with the other people. Yeah. So does that get a little ugly at times, or uh, you know what I do? I don't know if it gets ugly or not because <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I have my over the. If people see me at at the 
at trials, I have these blue headphones I put over my ears. Not to mention when it's cold, it keeps my ears warm, which is great. And I have a playlist. I listen to my music because I don't want to hear, accidentally hear things that other people say. Uh, or and so, No handler bias, nothing no like handler that. Bias and, or negativity because yeah. if having a bad day, it's so easy for that to infiltrate your own thought process. Yeah. So I'm over there and I found that if I'm kind of, I'm kind of grooved to the music, like I'm kind of like dancing in place. It's a stress reliever, right? Because you can't help but be happy when you're dancing. But I, I really am kind of dancing. <laughs> I don't think I have earphones, so I can't hear. That would be really awful to me. <laughs> You're like, I'm already making people watch my dancing. I won't sing I know, to it. <laughs> I'm not going to sing to it. But uh, <laughs> no, like that kind of like moving, it's like it's a little bit of a stress reliever. And it helps you to really stay kind of upbeat. And it keeps all the negativity out. So for me, it just helps. That's what I do. So we're running out of time, but I want to hear more about searching. So I think let's plan that for some future episodes to hear more about some of those particular searches, because I'm still curious looking ahead, what are your new goals, your new challenges that you're excited about? Well, especially with all this recent summit success, like you won summit. Yeah. <laughs> Actually her second high-end trial at summit is really cool. Both of her, both oh. her high-end trial. Yeah. She is an unbelievable girl. I'm so proud of her. So and how old is she? Four. She's four. Oof. I know. I know. Show but, off. I'm really looking forward to, I'm pretty soon I'm going to have a third dog at this level. And she's only done, I has only done like three elite trials, but next year she'll probably get her elite three. And depending on where I enter, like later on in the year, it's possible that she might be able to do a summit like out West or something because they don't, they don't always fill, but she's going to be fun. So like, for me, it's like, what I like to do is try to take a look at each dog and say, what is one skill that would make like an amazing impact for this dog? Yeah. And I would say like for Brava, it's sourcing, right? It is grit for sourcing. Like that is my number one thing that I want to work on with her. For powder, she's got to work that close proximity because she gets... So she tries to... Her problem solving has to speed up a little bit. And I think that the close proximity, getting a little bit better at that will be better. And with prize, I'm just really excited about her because she just knocks my socks off. She's just, she's a little rock star. So I'm really excited about maybe next year at the end of the year, maybe, maybe possibly be able to get her in her first one. You have classes coming up. Will you please share about those? I because do. I'm I... telling you when you're that amazing and oh my god you're sharing all this stuff that you're learning like what what can people do to take classes and learn from you oh uh fenzy dog sports academy i'm teaching three classes this term they start december 1st when we air this episode registration's already open i have three classes nw170 is before odor so if you want to do some food searching kind of like get your feet wet Get your dog, if you have an environmental dog or if you have a dog that you just want to build some hunt drive or you want to learn some of the concepts of the sport because I do get into a lot of the really important concepts. That's NW170. NW175 is for dogs that are on odor. It's like a kind of a lower level, but it's all about fundamentals. It's building those qualities of like that are so important if you want to have a, a future superstar. Like, you know, sourcing, independence, like all that kind of good stuff. That's really, really essential in the form of games. So we're going to do that. That's NW175 as fun with fundamentals, I think it is. And then we have NW440, which is 
sourcing soup to nuts. And 440 is a little bit more advanced, but that's really, it's kind of like what I was talking about with Bravo. It's like, I want sourcing with grit, right? NW 440 is all about sourcing with grit. Like I want my dog to go, you know what? The most important thing for me is to get to source. Yeah. That's what that one is. And if you want to come play with some fundamentals of obedience, you can join me doing an online class six weeks and it's open enrollment anytime. But for the next six weeks, I'm going to be giving feedback daily and we're going to have our little community going. So come check us out. We've only been doing it for a few days uh, when this Uh, airs. What, what, uh, so talk more about what, what are fundamentals of obedience? We're over time. (laughs) (laughs) We put the fun in it. So it's all uh, game-based. So we start with, and there's lots of like little free sample lessons too. So that way you can kind of see if you like it. It was all based on a Facebook live that I did. And so it, it's a lot of fun. It's really just about how can you use games and play to create obedience because it's one and the same. Yeah, great fun. So I want to hear more about summits and trials, and we will do that. Robin always ends our little chats, but I think instead of ending it the traditional way, I want to ask you one more question. Okay. That bond, same one I asked Robin at the last episode, or at the very end there, the bond between the handler, the detection dog, we know how important it is. Give us a moment during your summit process that highlighted the strength of this bond, that trust that you have in your canine partner. That is definitely in that blank area because I literally, it's like, you know what? I know you had odor over here and you just dismissed it just because you have odor. doesn't mean there's source. Yeah. I'm just so thankful to have the dogs that they're, they really are my partners and I love them dearly. And there's nothing more beautiful than watching a a dog search, honestly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but that that was definitely like that was like a major I'm like, trust you, you're leaving. There's nothing here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's it then. I trust you. We're gonna leave you here. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Catch us next week. Canine Detection Collaborative. We appreciate the time you spend with us. If you liked this episode, not only should you follow us so you don't miss the next one, but please also rate and review us in your favorite podcast app. For info on collaborating with us, go to K9DetectionCollaborative.com. That's K9DetectionCollaborative.com, where you can find our socials and pick up our latest monthly freebie. Join us again to talk training in the next episode.